This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and since it's August, Italy is shut down for the summer, so Federico is off on holiday, and Ben Brooks is here to take us through the last of the major iOS to-do apps that we're going to talk about in this little short series we've been doing. So Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, or tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you're you're known for online. Sure. So I'm best known for my website, The Brooks Review, uh, which is brooksreview.net, where I am rather cranky most of the time about uh, all sorts of different stuff and quite a reputation these days for uh, talking about backpacks and uh, iPads, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I work at a company called Martian Craft. I uh, run the marketing over there and we we are a mobile development um, company as well as uh, Mac development as well. And um, on Twitter, I'm uh, Benjamin Brooks. Okay, and you've had a, a sort of journey with iPad, if you like, and can you sort of fill us in a little bit on your background with using, well, using iPad, but also trying to focus it more on productivity and, and workflow? Yeah, so I, I think I, I forget when I switched full-time to the iPad now, but um, rather full-time on, I am full-time, I don't, actually don't even own a Mac anymore, I got, got rid of that, so there's one left in the house. Uh, which is my wife's. But yeah, I, I've been pretty much using the iPad for productivity and task management since it came out. One of uh, the earlier popular articles on my site was uh, me talking about using OmniFocus as only on your iPad. like, the, And we're talking like on the iPad 1, not, mm -hmm. not anything <laughs> yeah. else, uh, and, and propping it up next to your, your Mac and using that... Um, as a way to manage your tasks and and Twitter, I believe, if I remember that post correctly. Um, okay. Yeah. So from there, I've I've always kind of looked at my iPad as my central hub for all things productive that I do. That's cool. And in terms of hardware, have you have you been one of these people who can upgrades every year? Have you had most of the iPads going, or have you jumped to, jumped around a little bit? That's a good question. I think I have. So I had. An iPad 1, a 2, and a 3, and I skipped the iPad 4, mm -hmm. and then and I got an iPad mini somewhere, like the first generation iPad mini, somewhere in there. I forget. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I, I moved to the iPad Air, and I didn't buy anything from the iPad Air until uh, the Pros came out. And now okay, I have so uh, the 12.9 and the 9.7. So you're doing the double pro lifestyle. Yes, yes. What do they call that? They, someone called it multi-pad or something? Is that what they're calling M it? Multi-pad lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, that's Mike's term for the whole thing. Yeah. How, how is that working out? I'm, I'm curious about that because my story is kind of similar to yours. You know, iPad 1, iPad 2, 3, skipped to 4, same as you. Did a mini in there somewhere as well. And then Air, I had the Air 2 as well. And now the 12.9 uh, Pro, but I haven't gone to the, the multi-iPad lifestyle just yet. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's interesting because the um, I mainly use the smaller iPad for like family vacations and when I'm just kind of not in the office around the house or if I if I leave the house, it's it's very small. I don't do a whole bunch of work on it, but it's where I do pretty much all of my reading. And um, I only mm -hmm. have one Apple Pencil, and it's paired only with the smaller <laughs> iPad. So okay, so that's kind of more of your. Uh, notebook to take around if you like and and the big one's a bit more like a desktop computer yeah i guess it kind of doubles as a notebook and a, a hardcover book right because mm -hmm. i'm either mm -hmm. reading on it or i'm just kind of like taking notes on it jotting things down yeah 
Yeah, that's interesting. We've just been deploying uh, 9.7 iPad Pros in the school that I work at, uh, and I have I have certainly stolen one to test iOS 10 on, um, and tried to kind of set it up as my actual iPad, and it, it drove me crazy pretty quickly because I I couldn't quite come down to that distinction between the two devices that you're talking about there, um, and I always wanted to just be able to do everything on whatever one I had on, and they just never were quite the same thing. So I've I've since gone back from that, but. Uh, the day might come yet again. It's it's a tricky transition. It, it's taken me some time to kind of get used to it. Um, it, it the for me the twelve point nine is just too big to hold and read comfortably, and the line length gets kind of screwy on um, certain sites and and in Instapaper and stuff. If you want to read on it, you really have to switch to split screen. Um, for, at least for me to get the line length and the margins correctly so that I, it's, I don't feel like my eyes are moving miles to read. So, Yeah, it, it can get a long way when you've got a landscape in that respect. Uh, the Kindle app does a kind of two-up column set up there. And I find that reasonably useful, but not many blocks of text that you read do that. Yeah, I actually had a, a friend of mine make a quick iPad app for me that all it is is just um, it's a black screen and you can type text in it, but it doesn't save it. And so it, it's just split view enabled and he doesn't sell anywhere. I think he actually just made it for me. But um, that that was my hack before I got a smaller iPad um, for reading. So I could just split screen and invoke that and it would just look like part of my screen, a third of my screen wasn't being used. I'm weird. <laughs> we're all a bit weird in this show it's totally fine and the listeners love it so that's good um in terms of your, your kind of evolution of ipad use can you kind of pinpoint any milestones or any any times that you sat down and you realized there was something new going on or you you had some kind of breakthrough in productivity any apps that came out that were that enabled a whole new thing for you yeah i think the first app for me that really took things up a notch was when and I think this was out when the iPad launched, but I can't remember. It's been so long. But OmniFocus for me was like the big one on the iPad because for a long time, OmniFocus on the iPad was the best of the three apps you could get. I think OmniFocus is universal now, but back then they had it for the iPhone, for the iPad, and for the Mac. And for a long time, like the newest UI, the best features were all on the iPad. And um, so that was kind of the start of it. And then from there, um, just being able, I used to be in real estate, so I dealt with you know, hundred page PDF files a lot. And so the PDF apps that were coming out was a huge boon for productivity for me. I could keep a lot of um, leases and purchase and sale agreements stored on my iPad for reference. And, and that was really great. Um, and then we kind of, and that was kind of like the, the beginning of iPad productivity where it was really just something I kind of had there for reference um, but you know, once we started getting in there with workflow and the split screen stuff, that's when it kind of like everything changed, right? Uh, we, yeah. we got, we got into this state where it's, it's working between apps more. It's helping you to get things done instead of standing more in your way. And instead of it just being a constant, you know, one application at a time device, you're really kind of, you know, you, you're using even on split view more than two applications a lot of times. And the share sheet stuff was really big for me, you know, quickly sending stuff between apps. It's just, there's so many things that, like right around that. What was that? iOS 8, iOS 9 breakpoint. Yeah, it, it was where the share sheet really came into zone and nine. It was obviously the split screen stuff and the multitasking stuff. So, yeah, I think a, a range of plumbing items, if you like, kind of came along in the OS 
And then just, I suppose, from then till now, my feeling, I don't know how you feel about that, is it's been just waiting for developers to adopt it, you know, and of course the big hurrah quite recently has been Google Docs finally supporting <laughs> Split View. So <laughs> um, that was a, that, that actually happened on my birthday, which was yeah, delightful for me. Uh, but we, we use a lot of that stuff at school and that's really helped even just in the few days since it's come out. I've been back to school, getting ready for the school term and it's just been a total revelation to realize, you know, that there are new things you can do now because you've got this app that you sort of depend on doing the split screen game as well. So it's, it's really cool to have that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really Google on, you know, I've had my troubles with them as a company in the past, but there it's hard to beat Google docs. It's hard to beat Google sheets, especially when you have an organization that uses Google apps or you're just trying to work with other people it's kind of cornered the market on in. So yeah, there, there's a lot of frustration with me and with the people I work with because everybody I work with uses Macs. And so they wanted to use Google Docs for everything. But as an iOS only user, that's like the last tool I wanted to use because I can't split screen it. I can't do all these things. And so when I saw that come out, I was like, oh, I'm happy, but my company is going to be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're back in the docs now, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, cool. So in terms of like your typical day, I mean, how does that roll out for you? You're working in sort of marketing, is that right, at, at Martian Craft? Yeah, so my typical day is, is spent between Slack and uh, a little bit of email. We actually don't do a whole ton of email at Martian Craft. Um, and then just web pages, writing. I do a lot of writing during the day, um, whether it's you know marketing copy or proposals and stuff like that. And so it's a lot of communication and um, document creation and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I, that's part of the reason it's been kind of a fairly easy switch for me to the iPad is, um, you know, Slack is probably the best on iOS. The Mac app is, well, I have strong opinions about the Mac app, but <laughs> uh, it's a little rough. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a glorified web view. So, yeah, um, but, you know, and, and Skype is less bad on the iPad, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, the, it, it's, it's mainly communication that I spend doing most of my day. And then, um, then writing, which is, you know, the iPad's always been, it's good always been an absolute staple of iPad use, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because it always seems to me that like journalists are, are the worst reviewers of the iPad. I don't know if you feel this about yeah. every time a new iPad comes out, it's just like, well, it does all these amazing things and it's got a great battery life and it's super light and the screen's amazing, but the keyboard's not that great, so it's just terrible, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's kind of... I can't feel like with with that and also with the Apple Watch, like if there was some way that normal people could get to write in publications, then I think the whole story would be different both around iPad and around Apple Watch. Uh, so it's... A little bit of frustration there because you would think writers, right? This this is the thing that most writers would would love is a very simple, you know, clean writing device. But uh, so precious about that keyboard sometimes. Yeah, I don't really understand the people having complaints about keyboards. I mean, I've I've been a big mechanical keyboard fan in the past, but I love the smart covers. That's all I use anymore, and uh, I, I just don't get people that are that picky. I think it has to do with more than that. Um, I feel I feel like 
it has to do with the fact that their CMSs are overly complicated on the journalistic side. <laughs> like I've seen yeah. a flow of how the New York Times runs their stuff. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. doing that on anything but like a desktop with like 500 Safari windows open because <laughs> it's just it looks crazy. So, yeah, I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot there just institutionally on on adopting devices like this. Yeah, in some ways, the, the, the direction of travel had gone the wrong way even almost before the iPad came out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. in, in terms of, um, you, you mentioned you were using the, the smart keyboard. Is that on both devices? Yeah, uh, more so on the, um, the, I, the 12.9 inch because while I, I like it just fine on the 9.7, jumping between the two is very difficult. The, the, the keys are just enough off that my fingers always seem to be one like one column to the right too far. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean with that. Yeah, uh, I, I've been really tempted by the keyboard, but I have I have so far resisted because I've kind of become a really good glass typist and I'm, I'm sort of oh. addicted to some of the shortcuts that you can do. And I, I actually tested myself one day because at school we use an app called, uh, what is it called? Tap Typing, which is a kind of yeah. beacon type app for iOS. And, and I tested myself with a Bluetooth keyboard and with the glass keyboard, and the difference was on average like eight words per minute. It's slower on the glass keyboard for me. So really, yeah, I, yeah. I see, I'm jealous because Federico is big on the glass keyboard too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm pretty jealous of you guys that you're able to do that because I've tried a few times, and um, for me, it's not so much the the glass keyboard is fantastic on the 12.9, and I really enjoy it. But it's the it takes up so much of the screen real estate um, mm-hmm. that that's always been the pushback. But I do admit that when I edit, I'll edit a lot with the glass keyboard because the the cursor shortcut with the two fingers and sliding, yeah, that is a savior for iPad editing. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. I'm really I'm trying to get the kids in school to use that, but most of them. They can't quite grasp the idea of there being a cursor on an iPad because many of them have actually grown up as iPad users. You know, I was just remarking on, on Twitter the other day that this year that's just about to start, the kids who graduate this year, they will have gone through their entire high school experience just using iPad. And that's a generation wow. already. Yeah, yeah. So, Ben, let me take a moment just to thank our sponsor for this show and then we'll dive into the kind of to-do management stuff if that's okay. Sounds great. Yeah. So this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash canvas. You'll get a 14-day trial, and when you enter the offer's code canvas at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. And they do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. Pingdom take care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. These days, websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and very often include several dependencies, such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. So Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all of these key interactions people will have with your site. It's not just about the whole site anymore. Because look, let's be real, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. So regardless of whether you've got a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor its availability and performance. All Pingdom needs is a URL you wish to monitor and they take care of the rest. 
When Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today, and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com canvas for a 14-day trial, and use the code canvas at checkout to get 20% off. Now, thanks to Pingdom for sponsoring Canvas this week. So, Ben, we're, Federico and I are two episodes into this three-episode series about managing your to-do list, managing your task list on iOS. And we've talked about Todoist in the first show. Federico is a big fan of Todoist. We've talked about OmniFocus in the last show. That was my my show. And we had a number of requests uh, to talk about To-Do as well, which I believe is your, your app of choice. It is my app of choice. Federico turned me on to it and I, I, I can't give it up. Yeah, and he's since moved on. <laughs> but yeah. So to do the, the app, just this is a hard one to do on a radio show because yes. th- this is the app number two, DO, right? Right. I, I kind of want to call it 2DO or something just to uh, make it clear. But um, this is, I suppose this is kind of the third big iOS productivity app. Would you say that's probably fair? Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, yeah. So these are, I would say these are the sort of market leaders. And uh, I'm interested just to hear what you have to say about that app. I mean, let me kick off with one question. Are you a GTD devotee or any other productivity methodology in particular? Well, you know, that's interesting. I, I heard you and Federico talking about GTD. And I there's probably an 18-month period when I was getting started in my professional career where I was very, very strict with GTD. I, you know, I was reading the book, you know, every couple of months and... I had like his whole crazy folder system and, and I, I shouldn't call it crazy because it, it's a very good system that works for a lot of people. And it's certainly, I would not have gone through that maybe year and a half, two year period where I was very regimented about it. But since then I've kind of, you know, modified it. I think a lot of people is you modify it and make it your own. Um, and so now I, I use some loose GTD pr- principles, but the rest of it is just kind of like, however I see fit. And it also kind of moved changes project to project you know some projects i'll i'll set up in more of a strict manager uh you know gtd fashion and other projects it will just be like i was writing stuff down on a piece of paper you know for for all the planning that went into it so so tell me about your sort of to-do story you said federico got you into it yeah so when i saw his um his post about it a couple other people i knew um, told me that they had used, they were the ones, they were using it too, and they hadn't really talked about it. And so naturally, I, I wanted to check it out. I, I'm always willing to check out new things. And uh, kind of within the first hour or two of playing around in it, it, it all clicked for me a lot better. And um, it, I, I was switching from OmniFocus, and I've been a long time OmniFocus user, and it's a very good tool. I haven't used it recently. They've done a lot of updates recently to it, but I haven't used it recently. But for me, the big switch was. Um, OmniFocus is not as flexible with how you want to manage your tasks. And so to me, at times, that would feel a little bit, I want to say like overwhelming, but that, that might be a little bit too strong. You know, it just, it felt like there was more process involved when I wanted to do something really loose with the, the application. And and so when I switched it to do, it it just kind of seemed to click and there's there was some you know, hidden features that I didn't know about that once I started using it, OmniFocus can't do that. And, uh, and so it's stuck around. Yeah. I, I sometimes feel like when I talk to OmniFocus users, and I know this from my own experience that a lot of OmniFocus users use OmniFocus and something else. 
right. just for those times when they, they want to do something kind of freeform. You know, so it's either OmniFocus and Reminders or OmniFocus and Notes or Clear or something like that. Just do those quick things, those quick little notes that you want to do sometimes as well. Right. And so I was using OmniFocus, uh, Apple's Reminder app, and then... <laughs> This is where it also becomes harder in a radio show. Do D U E, which is mm-hmm. that like um, it's like a half to do half like timer app. I, I don't really know how to explain that one. That's a, it's an interesting app. But I was using those three apps together to get everything done. Yeah, do is a very interesting app because it sort of it, it never lets you forget. You know, the, for people who haven't seen this app, it's basically an app that lets you set a set a reminder, but it will. You can only ever kind of, if you ignore it, it will ping you again every five minutes until you mark it off as done. Yeah. Um, so I actually use that app too in the mornings because I, I often open up the school in the mornings and I have a, a number of things I can't forget to do, like open the fire doors and unlock certain things. <laughs> so I have them all set timed based on when I normally get to school um, and I get pinged to open the fire gate and open the shutter and so on. Um, just because those things absolutely cannot be forgotten and they can't get mixed in with the 20 things I didn't do yesterday in OmniFocus. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a useful app too um, and it's definitely one that's worth checking out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So, you, Ben, you mentioned um, a, a number of kind of hidden features or features that were more difficult to discover and to do. Can you talk us through some of them? Sure. So um, the first one that I really liked uh, was you can mark certain lists in to-do as private and have them um, password protected. Um, I think it's, does it do, yeah, it does touch ID. Of course, I'm now invoking that and getting a touch ID blocking on my screen. Um, but you know, so you can have these private lists and for me, the private list, I've always kept, um, gift ideas in my to-do app. And so I'm not really paranoid about people seeing what's in, you know, what's on, on my task list, but I don't want to ever want to open it up and then show someone inadvertently, you know, here's my whole, you know, birthday plan for someone or Christmas plan or something like that. And so that was just one of those nice little features for me, that was like, oh, that's really neat, and that's that's really that's really slick. And so I I got that going right away. And then um, the other one that was big for me was as you're just talking about with how Do handles the nagging reminders, you can have the same thing in To Do. So for me, it eliminated um, Do completely. And the biggest nagging reminders I had in Do was to take the garbage cans out on time, so I don't miss garbage day. And, you know, to do will do the same thing. It nags. I think it nags like every two minutes and you can snooze for an hour or something like that. But you just if it's inside of one app, I can have something that will either let me get to it when I get to it or never let me forget to do something on time. Right. And uh, and so for me, that was kind of like, OK, now we're starting to make some sense here. And um yeah, it's like everything just kind of started clicking at that point. And I'm sure there's, you know, other of, of those more hidden features that I'm not thinking of. But, you know, the app kind of presents itself as a very simple reminders type of an app. But then as you start to dive into it, you can make this thing a lot more complex than even OmniFocus can. Because OmniFocus is kind of like has a general idea of here's how you should do things. More or less, right? You know, there's... There's some tweaks you can make to it, but you know you kind of work within the bounds of that application, and it's very powerful. But 
it's going to force you into something like that. Whereas to do is going to basically came to me and said, how do you want to work? And not only how do I want to work, but I can kind of have that set up differently list by list. So I can okay. before where I kept my shopping list, I think you guys were talking about how you kept shared, you keep a shared shopping list with um, your wife, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in reminders. And for me, I, I just keep my, I do pretty much 90% of the grocery shopping. So I just keep it all in to do because it's a very simple shopping list to keep inside of to do without it getting in the way of everything else I do. You can kind of block out lists and say, this one never shows up in the today screen and all this stuff very easily. So I was able to kind of tweak it. Yeah, What I'm kind of hearing from you there is that to do gives you an opportunity to sort of do a little bit more integration of reference information with actual tasks, you know, your gift lists and your shopping list and things that maybe persist for a long time or maybe persist forever in the case of a shopping list. Right. Whereas I, I don't feel I would really put that stuff in OmniFocus um, or I might put it in the note, the body of a note of a to-do item, but rather than having a separate list just for those things. Yeah, and that was, that was definitely something I kind of keep... Uh, so not only do I keep gift lists, but I just, if I'm going around the internet and I see something that looks like a neat something, right? Maybe I, mm-hmm. maybe it's not something that I want right now or ever want. I'll, I'll often save it. I used to just save it to Pinboard, and that's all I used Pinboard for was um, just bookmarking those those links. And now it's kind of all shifted to to-do. And I think OmniFocus has fixed this now, so you'll have to correct me if I'm if, if that's the case. But it, for a while, OmniFocus's share... Um, extension inside Safari wasn't as robust as what To Do gave me, and so To Do gave mm-hmm. me this really robust look where I could even assign due dates and I could pick certain lists and edit notes and grab the link and everything. So it was just kind of this nice little package um, of an application that I could use within Share Sheets and stuff. And it's just kind of like all these little things just start adding up for me. That's interesting because again, as an OmniFocus user, I'm using notes for some of that stuff. You know, I have, I have a queue of books that I want to read, and if I hear about a book that seems interesting, I'll navigate to the Kindle page and then I'll use a, the Note Share ex- sheet extension to put uh, grab a preview and put it in the note instead. Hmm. So uh, it seems like another opportunity to integrate everything together, which is is really nice. Yeah, I think um, in the you know pre iOS days, a lot of people used um, tools like DevonThink, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. for stuff like this, right? And it was kind of like, what was the bare bones one? Yojimbo, was that it? Yojimbo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you, you would kind of use those as your central repository for like your digital brain, right? And I, I've kind of done that with to-do. And, and that flexibility just, either I wasn't utilizing it correctly in OmniFocus because I was so used to the tool, um, I, or I don't know, but it just kind of clicked for me. And so I was able to consolidate a lot of stuff um, right into the application, which just made it's made my life a lot easier, at least. That's really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you another thing. I noticed when I was sort of looking at the App Store uh, pages about to do, they have a feature where you can actually manage your calendar inside the app. Is that a feature you use very much? No, I don't have any do anything with the calendar inside the app. Mm-hmm. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, I'm a bad, yeah. bad person to talk to about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just kind of to complete the idea for listeners, that, that uh, what I was getting from the messaging on the App Store was that you could basically be working your to-do list and working your calendar at the same time, both with editing features as well as just viewing. Because OmniFocus has this forecast mode where you can look at the next seven days uh, and you can see both the, the to-do items that are going to be due in that time plus what's on your calendar at the same time. 
Um, but you can't actually edit the calendar or do it. You can view details, but you can't edit the calendar right inside OmniFocus. Whereas I believe to do sort of does support that feature as well. Yeah. So there's, there's like a mode and you can see it. I, I, I never really use it. Uh, it took me a second to find it, but if you're on a list, you kind of have this two panel view where you can see your, your do items and then you can see the calendar and it has like a month view and then kind of a listing of what you have for the events that day. And, um, you know, of course you can select your calendar and stuff, but you can also add a new event right there. Um, I mean, so you kind of get this idea of your workload, I think is what the point of it is. So, you know, yeah. you know, how many things do I actually have in my task list for the day versus, you know, how many appointments do I have scheduled? And, you know, that's something that I think if I was in an, a physical office, since my company is all remote, um, I'm less bound to my calendar and, Mm. And so I, I, calendar for me is something that's really fallen by the wayside of importance of late. So you've kind of entered that space beyond time where you're, everything's <laughs> on the internet and Slack, I think has a, a kind of impact on that. I don't know if you feel that way, um, but you're not, because it's asynchronous and everything's sort of still there in Slack, then you're not, uh, I don't feel the same pressure to kind of be synchronous with people on Slack the way I even maybe would with email if we were working together on something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Slack plays a large part into it. And I think, you know, the fact that my company spread out over time zones, um, you know, we go from the West Coast of the U.S. to Germany. Um, okay. And so there's a lot That's of a time zone range. spread there. Yeah. So actually scheduling a, a meeting where it's not just one person talking to one other person is is quite difficult for us because, you know, we got lunch and dinner and you know what time is everybody asleep and you know there's there's only a handful of hours where everybody's awake so do you use any of the sort of tagging features in in to do i am most certainly a non-tagger i have i am terrible about tagging stuff i i think i i instead of using tags i tend to delineate by making more lists which is okay it's probably crazy to a lot of people but Tagging to me and filtering by tags has never been something that worked well to me. It's just, um, it's another step uh, that starts at when you enter it. Whereas if I just enter everything into the inbox, it's very quick to then send them all to a list. Versus if I'm tagging them, I get too, I think I, I think for me it doesn't work because I get too specific with my tags. And so then I have too many tags with only like one task under a tag. And then the whole yeah. thing falls apart. Yeah, that was my experience when I tried to use tagging in Evernote back in the day. Was I just I had hundreds of tags and I had sub tags and it got really squirrely. <laughs> uh, and then you know I, I only ended up putting like ten different kinds of things into Evernote, but there was tags for this and tags for that and tags for the next thing. Um, so yeah, I, I've always felt that tags is a bit of a kind of job for the machine. You know, like I like everything should be a tag, every word, every every term, and I should just be able to search for anything. You know, I, I don't tag my email, right? I just search for it. So. Right, I've always kind of felt that way about tags as well. Yeah, and and you know, To Do has a really robust search feature in it, um, which is kind of ever present in the app, and and that makes it really kind of for me, like you said, it kind of duplicates that, right? So I, I'm not too worried about tagging things, and you know, I, I was just looking at the list, I have a I have a whole slew of lists that I use. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tagging is not a big thing. I, I think. I think people that have figured out a system to make tagging work, that's great. But for most people, it, I think it's too much mental process when you're just trying to get stuff in a system to remember to, to add those. 
Um, what about in, in to do? There's I know there's a range of kind of information density controls. I noticed there was um, pinching in and out to show more or less information. Are you familiar with that feature? Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's just like you would to zoom in and out on a, a image, right? And there's what is it? Three stages. So there's compressed, normal, and then extended. And ex- extended just kind of shows you as much as you can see if you've entered for each task. And then compressed is just what you'd think. It's just kind of like the name and when it's due. Um, and I, I actually use that quite a bit uh, when, I'm, when I'm planning. So when I'm like sitting down just to say, okay, I need to like triage my task list or I need to get my week ready, I'm usually like in extended mode because it's a lot less tapping and I can just kind of see everything from a view. When I'm working, I'm usually all the way in compressed and I'll just use that. And that way I can just tap on a task and see the whole thing right there. And it's kind of taken over the application so that I'm not distracted by what may be up next and stuff. Interesting. So, it, it's, an, it's a neat feature. It's, it's something that I think it takes a while to get used to for most people because um, it's easy to forget that it's there, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's not something that's super common in iOS apps, you know, just using a gesture like that to, uh, apart from, you know, on maps and and images and and the things that we sort of now think of as natural things to pinch on, you know, even though that's not a natural thing at all. Um, But for apps like a to-do list manager or a word processor or something, those kind of gestures are quite, uh, the only word I can think of to use here is unnatural. (laughs) they're, They're all invented by somebody at some point. Right. Um, so let me ask you, in terms of like approaching to do, say somebody was going to was going to switch to this app, do you have any kind of initial advice that would be useful to people, or um, what, what's your kind of favorite way to explain it to people? You know, I've switched between productivity apps so often. You'd think I have a really good system for that, but <laughs> in truth, the truth is, is how I do it is I take it a week at a time, and so. Uh, you know, when I switched from OmniFocus to To-Do, I basically, I think I created a perspective or something where I could see uh, the next week, everything that's due or starting in the next week, all in one screen. And then it's just, you know, copying and pasting, manually entering the tasks back in to your other, to your new application. And um, a lot of my tasks are repeating as well. So that, that certainly speeds up everything. But, you know, I have a I have a whole list that's just, um, I call it reminders list, but it's, you know, it's things like this bill is due this day, um, so-and-so's birthday is on this day, because I, I track birthdays in uh, my task management application instead of on a calendar. Um, that way I can check it off when I wish someone a happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, I take it one step at a time. And, and then when I make the decision that, okay, I am going to switch this, that's when I stop and say, now I need to clean out the entire other application. And I'll just clean out the other thing. And um, in my case, I didn't even, I, OmniFocus is still on here. I just haven't touched it. So if I went in there, there'd probably be 9,000 things that are overdue <laughs> and, and everything else. But I just kind of turn off all the notifications, all the background pushes, and just leave that at that. So so um, we're just kind of wrap, wrapping up here, Ben. Any other key tips or key tricks for people using to do? Is there anything you particularly love that we haven't mentioned so far? You know, uh, the so the settings are a little clunky in to-do, and you need to make sure that you look at not only the appearance settings, but the advanced settings. Um, there's a lot of, of tweaks that one could argue should be belonged, belong in one category or the other. So don't just assume you know what's in all the setting panes. Um, you kind of need to go into them. 
for example, advanced is where you would find the week start, like what day of the week is the beginning of the week. Okay. Uh-huh. Instead of appearance, and uh, initially I thought that should be an appearance. So I, maybe I'm maybe I'm the weird one, but um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of uh, little things like that um, where the default settings come in and. Um, I would encourage you to really tweak those default settings because one of the things that makes to do fast for me is that the default settings for adding new things are always where I want them to be um, exactly when I want them to be because I'm able to set all that the default due date time start time and all that stuff um, you can set up by default so do take a look at and, and make sure you you get that going okay that's that's a really useful tip because uh, sometimes in iOS, I think in particular, people don't often think that there are settings that they could work with, or there's not. The settings may not be very extensive, but in fact, in, in apps that are as rich as to do, you often do find you know quite a lot of things that you could change to really make it sing for you in, in whatever way you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a ton of stuff <laughs> in the in the setting. It's, it's quite overwhelming. Good. Well, I'm super tempted to go and have a have a play with this app as well because it seems. It seems like an interesting kind of combination of uh, different things that we've talked about on, in terms of productivity on all these different shows that we've been doing recently. So I, I will definitely be taking a, a, another look at to-do over the next couple of weeks. So Ben, is there anything else you want to share, anything else you want to talk about, or are we we're kind of at the end of our, our list of particular topics at this point? Yeah, I think that covers everything I have to say on to-do. I would, I would add that you should definitely read uh, Federico's uh, initial review of it. That because he know. was really into it when when he was using it. Yeah, yeah it's it's probably a hundred and twenty page ebook or something. I'm not I'm not quite <laughs> certain, but yes, it's available it, it, all good book for <laughs> it. Uh, it was, but in all seriousness, it, it is what guided me into getting getting set up with it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, other than that, I, I've been listening to what everyone's been what you and Federico have been talking about with uh, these task management apps and it's it's one of the bright spots on iOS where you know iOS has struggles with certain kinds of applications it doesn't with um task management apps and so for me even when i was using a mac i was managing all my tasks on my iOS devices so my ipad was kind of the device i worked from and organized in and my iphone has always been where i input tasks um mm-hmm. for for the most part, and and not really on the the Mac side. So even if you're just a Mac user, uh, some of these apps are really worth checking out on uh, on the iOS side because they they are oftentimes quite a bit better than their Mac counterparts. Great. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. This this wraps up our show on to do. It wraps up our series on task managers on iOS. And I think Ben, you're absolutely right that uh, this is one area that iOS is in many ways better than. OS 10 in, in managing these kind of tasks. So Ben, thanks so much for sharing your insight with us on the show. Thank you very much for having me. This has been great. And can you just remind listeners where they can find you online if they want more of your, of your views? Absolutely. You can find me on my website. It's brooksreview.net or on Twitter. I'm at Benjamin Brooks. Okay. And you can find show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash canvas slash 17. Our thanks to Pingdom for supporting this episode of Canvas. You can also connect with the show on Twitter at underscore Canvas FM. And I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. And we'll see you next time.